This episode of Dopey is brought to you by Aloe Recovery. It's located in sunny Southern California, and it was created by a bunch of friends with a plan in mind to treat addicts with compassion, not control. It was created by our friend Bob Forrest and his friends, Evan, Bob, and Jared, and their plan was to make a great treatment center to help drug addicts. It's a very, very simple, beautiful idea. If you're kicking dope, if you're kicking benzos, if you're kicking alcohol, they make a comfortable detox for you. They treat severe mental illness and many other co-occurring mental health disorders. They have years and years of collective experience, and they've got amenities that put spas to shame. They've got equine therapy. They've got fucking sound bath meditation. They've got sweat lodges for those with a hankering for the spiritual. I recommend aloe. I've heard a lot about it, and it sounds amazing. So if you're fucked and you're willing to go to Southern California to get help, I would totally go to aloe. This episode of Dopey is also brought to you by CASL, which stands for Clean and Sober Love. It's the dating app for people who choose this way of life, which is a sober way of life. It was created by one addict helping another addict to date safely. So here is the fucking reality. You got clean and sober. You got a new life. And now you're ready to date. So where are you supposed to look? Craigslist? CASL is the solution. Dating and recovery is real. And it's worth considering if your shit is together. CASL is the platform where you can meet like-minded people all over the world. Install the app now on the App Store or Google Play Store. Oh, and by the way, it's completely free. Also, if you actually did this and found love through the CASL app, please Gmail me at dopeypodcast at gmail.com. This episode is also brought to you... By you guys, the Dopey Nation, through the power of the Dopey Patreon account. It's www.patreon.com slash dopeypodcast. Throw a couple bucks, whatever. If you want to get some stickers, you want to get some hats, fucking Venmo me. I also have a few of the embroidered Dopey hoodies left, but no more extra large. I'm running out of those, so ask me first. I have DopeyCon t-shirts. I have fucking stickers. And if you want the other fashionable dopey items, just go to www.dopeypodcast.com. It's enough for the ads. Enjoy the show. Sit back and relax. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to Dopey, the podcast about drugs, addiction, and dumb shit. And I'm Dave, and I'm alone uh, in the house at the dining room table. My kids are asleep upstairs. Linda is out to dinner, and I am desperately trying to wrap up the show before Friday is over. And I'm very excited to do it. And I have to say, if you guys didn't know this, I love making the show. I love Dopey. I love uh, Dopey Nation. I love to hear from you guys. I love um, that we have a show that's all about uh, getting better. Uh, It's all about the dumb shit that we ever did. And I know that there are people who listen to the show who are struggling. And I just want to say that if you keep doing what you're doing, if you're trying to do uh, to not use, it will get easier. 
I just want to put that out there. Not using becomes easier if you keep doing it. And uh, it isn't easy to not use if you're using. It's like Einstein, the things in motion tend to stay in motion and all that shit. And we have an amazing guest on the show who is uh, can really speak to this whole thing. It's uh, this pro skater. His name is Andy Roy. And he totally is an example of somebody who went to the brink and came back. And um, so it's very possible. Now, before we get to Andy Roy, I wanted to share a funny story. I feel like uh, when Chris was alive, we talked a lot about my job, and it was a lot of fun, and it was really funny. And something happened a few weeks ago, and I thought it was really funny, and I forgot to tell it on the show, so I'm going to tell it now. I do these catering events, and at the catering events, I have a guy who cuts meat uh, for the event, and he cuts pastrami, and we serve half sandwiches with coleslaw and potato salad, and I kind of serve the coleslaw and potato salad, and my friend, usually a Dominican guy, cuts the sandwiches, and we are at a corporate party, and he's cutting the sandwiches, and he fucking gives me half a sandwich. And when he gives me the half a sandwich, he gives it to me on his knife, okay? And I hold out a paper container. And usually he puts the half a sandwich in the paper container, cardboard container, whatever you want to call it. And this time, he fucking cut me. He cut my hand. He cut my finger. And I said, fuck, you cut me. And he said, you cut yourself, I said, how did I fucking cut myself? You just fucking cut me. He said, I said to watch it. Be careful. And, uh, and this is my life at work. People cutting me and, and them saying I cut myself. And now today I was with him again. His name is Jose. He's a sweetheart. Uh, he still is under the uh, delusion that I cut myself. And this is his take on the story. Well, my name is Jose. What's up, Jose? What's up? And this is my side of the story. But first, you should tell him about the big fight we had today. Yeah, you're just a plain asshole sometimes, so I just have to... I'm sorry, guys, but you are. He's a big asshole, Willie. He took it very personal this morning, but I was upset, so shit happens. Anyway, so tell the story, Jose. Well, this is my happiest moment of all those events that I've done. Yeah, Jose comes with me on a lot of catering events, and we're on the way back from the event with Willie, and now Jose is going to tell his side of the story of the time he cut me. Cut yourself. He cut himself. Well, been to like over 50, 60 events together. And I'm always telling you, hold the plate under. Don't put your finger up. But since it's Dave, you know. Don't say my last name. Oh, you fucked up this this podcast. I'll bleep it, don't worry. Yeah, bleep that one. Well, I keep telling him, hold the plate under, hold the plate under. Because he's going to get cut. Yeah, because he's going to get cut and he just don't listen. So one day, it finally happened. Uh, finally, it happened. <laughs> he pulls his hand. I, I pull the knife back. Sliced him. You know what he says? You cut me. And you said? I said, no, nah, you cut yourself. Because I'm oh. tired of telling this guy. Because you've been warned. Yeah, if, if you warn somebody enough times and they cut himself, just be happy about it. I'm happy to this day. So you brought that upon himself? Yeah, I'm just waiting for the next time he cut himself. Deeper. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Jose, for your side of the story. What's your version now? He cut me because he's a dick and he wanted to cut me forever. He's always wanted to cut me and he had the chance to cut me, so he fucking cut me. All right, goodbye. And then what did the boss say when you told him? (laughs) Happiest man alive, bro. I haven't got a raise. (laughs) Now, I just wanted to give you guys like a little taste of, uh, of work. That's Jose. 
him and I, he, he used to cut sandwiches for me when I would wait tables. We, we'd get to places where we would almost fucking fight. And, um, and I really think he enjoyed cutting me, to be honest. And I just have to say, this is a total perfect sort of example of, of what a stupid life I have. Andy Roy, Changing Gears, is somebody I've always wanted to have on the show. He is a uh, pro skater and a really, really, really serious um, example of recovery. His drug stories were legendary, and I had been trying to get him on the show for a long time. And after a bit of phone tag, I finally got Andy on the show. So here we go, Andy Roy. So I'm on the phone with a, a legendary American figure in both uh, skateboarding and drug addiction. His name is Andy Roy. Welcome to the show, man. Oh, thank you, man. Thank you for having me. It's I a, appreciate it. It's a pleasure. Do you think you're more legendary as a skateboarder or as a drug addict? You know what? There, uh, there, there might be like a... You know what? That's, that's a good question. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I'm pretty known for both, you know, because uh, I always been pretty open about my uh, drug addiction, you know, like when I was first got on uh, heroin, you know, like I let the magazines know that I was messed up and what I've been through. So like, and they, they let it be known in like the, the magazines, you know, so like it, it was known publicly. So I, I just like, Dude, that was me. That's what I was doing. So I just let it be known. You know what I mean? Like it's just, it's better just to throw it all out there. You know, or well, or sometimes could... you were sponsored though, right? You were you sponsored as a heroin addicted skateboarder? Was that a thing for you? Where they had to worry about you and whatever? Yeah, dude, it was pretty crazy. Uh, like um, I was writing for Consolidated and Antihero. I started messing around with it when I wrote for Consolidated. And uh, as it got more serious and deeper, I was writing for Antihero. And, you know, that's what was always uh, the company that I, was, that I loved and wanted to be part of. And I, I was in my prime of skating and uh, got strung out, dude. And I just split on those guys. And it, it was hard. Like, I hit out, you know. Like, they would look for me, call my, my parents' house. They called all my friends, and I would just avoid them, you know, because I was so embarrassed of, like, being strung out that I just couldn't talk to them or see them. So I just hid, you know what I mean? Like, and I was right in the prime of my skating. Well, do do you think, I mean, I I don't want to skip ahead because I want to really delve into the the beginning of everything. But when you hide out, like, I know when I hid out, I think I hid out so I could use more than, like, so I could hide. You know what I mean? Like, I, I hit out so, like, nobody could fuck with me when I got drugs or I wanted to stay high. You know, they couldn't ruin that for me. That was one of the biggest reasons why I would hide out. With, with, right. You know, did you find that to be, like, similar for you? Like, when you when you would disappear, did you disappear because of pressure or did you disappear so you could have time to get high? Well, it, it was, like, I think it, it was both because, like, I, I, I would would bring it on trips. You know, but you know how sometimes, sometimes you don't get it and the trip is happening and you're not leaving unless you got it. So that became a a big factor in it, you know, but it definitely was like 
messing with me, getting high. And it was a whole, I'm with a whole different crowd of people. And then like I started losing weight and looking bad. So then I didn't want them to see me. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah, 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 totally. It, it, like, so it was just bad all around, you know, like it, it was, it was both, you know? And when you I would, when you, when you would go on skate trips, like, what was the worst scenario of smuggling dope? I'm, t- I'm assuming that you would bring dope so you wouldn't get sick, right? Yes, absolutely. Yep. So wh- and, uh, what was the worst smuggling situation for you? Dude, I really never had, I never got caught bringing it. I was pretty slick. And back then it was a lot easier. You know what I mean? Now, because like that 9-11 yeah. or whatever went down. Yeah. So it's a lot, it's probably a lot hard, harder now. So, but back then I had no problem bringing it. it. It was just like, I would run out though, you know? And one of these trips, when I first got on Antihero, you know, I was finally stoked, got on Antihero and I went to Tampa Pro. It was one of the biggest contests of the year. Uh, just got on the team and uh, it, we, we left on a Wednesday and the contest started on Friday. And if you made the cut, it was Saturday and then finals were on Sunday, and I brought I brought some with me. I got it through my friend Pigpen. I got some, and then uh, I ran out like on a Thursday, right? And I made the cut. I made the cut to where I was gonna be in the in like the finals. So like I ran out, and I was sick during the contest oh, man. and I was, I couldn't sleep. Cardiel was in the, the, in the suite cause we shared the bed and he was sleeping next to me and I was just tossing and turning. And, uh, he, he was just like, what's wrong, dude. And I'm just like, Oh, my body hurts from skating and practice. You know, like I just made up excuses and, uh, I jump in the hot, like the bath was trying to soak my bones. And then, uh, the contest started and in the morning, I didn't even want to do practice. Just like when it's my turn to, to skate, I'll skate. So I had like Mickey get me some beer and some chewing tobacco, and I tried to drink the pain away. And uh, I ended up qualifying seventh, and I made it to the finals. Uh, and I was sick as a dog, and I ended up getting fifth place. I just sucked it up. Had Slayer playing for my uh, the music playing for my run, and I just was going through it. But it was just horrible, you know, like couldn't say nothing to no one, didn't want no one to know. And I was just a mess, sick as a dog, a mess. Yeah, no, I I understand. I I like I, I, you know, I was definitely not a professional skateboarder. I was actually a terrible skateboarder as a kid. I grew up uh, middle class Jewish in Manhattan in New York City. And we tried skateboarding and like. I had Brandon Novak on the show. I think I said this to him. Like I, I couldn't, I could barely like stand on the skateboard. I feel like we, we went on the skateboard on our knees down hills. That's what we would do. Cause we were big pussies, but I just want to divulge yeah. that to you just so you know who you're dealing with here. Um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> now, now how did, uh, yeah. how did it come that you became like, when did you realize that you were destined to be this ridiculously talented skateboarder? Like how old were you when, when you, when you caught a feeling of it? Well, like I, I was like, uh, my mom had 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 a boyfriend, and her, the the boyfriend had a son that skated, and I was probably like six years old, right. and he was probably like sixteen, seventeen, and he had a skateboard, and he had like this little quarter pipe at at his house when we go visit uh, my mom's boyfriend, go over to his house. There was a quarter pipe out front on the sidewalk, and I would see him skating. So 
So I tried it, and then he would take me to the skate park. And I don't know, I just loved skating. And uh, at the time, I, my mom had a, uh, I had a babysitter, and he was like a punk rocker. So I was introduced to punk rock at a super young age, and skating and punk rock kind of ran together. So like six years old is when I, I, I seen it, and it was like, man, this is rad. And then it wasn't until like 11, 12 years old when I was like really got into it and was like, dude, I love skating. This is what I want to do. And like, I, I never was like, I'm going to be a pro skater, but I was, I just knew I was in for the long haul. Like I, I want to do this and I loved it and I didn't want to do nothing else. I did school. Uh, I did everything I could to be on that skateboard. You know, that's all I wanted to do. When all did, I cared when about. Did, when did you figure out that you were great? Like, when did it become clear that you were six and you're, you know, the, the kid was 16 or whatever? Like, did you get better than him fast? Like, what was the, like, you know how sometimes you can just tell you're good at something? Like, when did it hit you and when did people notice? Yeah. Well, Dave, dude, I, I, it's hard for me to say, like, uh, that I'm good. I don't know. I feel like I'm not that good. So you, you know, right? So you have self-esteem issues. You have classic addict self-esteem issues, which I do too. I understand, but you're obviously great. It's just hard to say. It's just hard to say. Like, hey, I'm a ripper, and I rip. You know, like I just, I'm not that dude. I just, I, I, I used to skate this pool. This is what. This is how it happened. I, I was in high school, and it was, it was like. uh, 19th and 11th all through high school 9th 9th through 12th my uh I got kicked out of my normal harbor high school it was like a jock school I got kicked out for ditching classes and going skating at derby skate park so I got kicked out and went to this continuation school across the street my mom didn't want me to go there she's like you're not going to that school it's just for for uh blow it cases, you know, for knuckleheads. Right. And, uh, so she, she didn't, didn't she, did she, there. did she not know yet that you were kind of a knucklehead? It had not emerged yet. Your knuckleheadedness. Yeah. Well, like, yeah she knew <laughs> I, I, I was trouble, but like when I, like I, I got the report card, I, I would cut school and, uh, you know, when you get oriented, whatever you, you sign up for your classes and, uh, you know, so you you get the seven periods. Well, my two friends, I went with my two friends. They got all their classes. They picked all their classes out. It's when you first start going to high school. So they got their classes all done. And then I still had like four or five more classes to pick, but they're like, we're going surfing. And I was like, well, I want to go. So I just ditched out and didn't get the rest of my classes. Somehow my counselor didn't catch it. So I'm, this guy, I go to school till 10 o'clock and then I would skate across town, Santa Cruz to skate Derby skate park. And then when the, the, the report card came in, my mom noticed I only had two classes. I was only going to two classes and, uh, I got, I got kicked out and she ended up letting me go to that continuation school. She didn't want me to, but there was no other choice. I got kicked out. So she let me go to it. And it was a really good school, I thought. But you only went till noon, so I got out early to go skate. But I caught up uh, on my my grades, like because I was behind a grade. So I caught up. I would stay in at my break time, and I did all like what I was supposed to do. And I and I ended up graduating on time. But I went to that continuation school, and these older dudes. 
that went to that school would bring me to this empty swimming pool in Watsonville called Buena Vista uh, Pool. Okay. And it was a house that burned down that was on this property, and I would skate there every day after school because they would take me because it was like on the outskirts uh, of Santa Cruz. I, like, there's no way I could get out there because you needed a car. So, and what I, what era what I, era of skateboarding was that? Like, who was coming up, I, and like, how big was it, and like, what was the time period? What year was that? It was like 89. I won the year I graduated. So it was like 87, 86, 87, 88. You know what I mean? And I graduated in 89. Well, they ended up having a contest at that pool, right? And I had been going there every day. I loved this pool. Like, dude, it was... Right. It was your home. It was your spot. It, it was my home turf, right? So they had a contest. And there was the older dudes have been skating this, this pool for years. So they threw a contest. And I ended up winning. And there was this guy, Steve Keenan, who was the, the team manager for Santa Cruz Skateboards. And uh, he was there, and I won. And he's like, hey, dude, I want to give you some free skateboards. Uh, um, put you on the flow team and give me free skateboards. And I was like, rad. So I went in there, got to pick out all the skateboard stuff. And I came home, and I, I go, Mom, look what they gave me. They gave me all these skateboards, T-shirts, stickers, wheels. And my mom's like, well, where'd you get it at? Where'd you steal it from? Where'd you get all this stuff? I'm like, no, they gave it to me. They're like, why would someone give you all this skateboard stuff? Because I won this contest. She just couldn't believe it. She just didn't understand that you you can get a free stuff from skateboarding, you know, like she just couldn't comprehend it or something. Well, when, but when and, she uh, saw your career develop as a skateboarder, did it, did it change her mind? She, she, when they asked me after I was on the flow team, they asked me to go, uh, if I wanted to skate an amateur contest. And I said, yes. And they said, if you make top 10, we'll put you on the real team where you get ads and you get to travel. And I ended up getting eighth place and it took off from there. And I started traveling and my mom was like, Whoa, because I was sending her postcards from, like, Alabama, New York, uh, Florida, and she was tripping out. And she was just like, I never got to travel in my my time, and uh, it's a great education, so go at it. You know what I mean? See, that must have been cool. That must have made you feel good, right, when your mom realized that you had talent and you had talent enough to be a professional at it, right? Right, and it was cool because, like, when I got at, like, graduated high school, my mom's like, all right, once you turn 18, you graduate from high school, you're either going to college, you're getting a job, or you're doing something if you're going to stay under our roof of our house, you know? Like, you ain't just going to be sitting around surfing and skating all day and not have a job, and you know what I mean? So I ended up turning pro, like, right after high school. So I got lucky because I didn't want to work. All I, all I had was skateboarding on my mind. So I was just like... I was avoiding work like the play. You know what I mean? Well, it became work. I mean, it became work. It was a dream. But the question is, when did the drugs really come into the picture then? Because you're, you're a teenager. I assume it was sometime then. Right. So I, I had these group of friends that I went to high school with that uh, when I finally got sponsored and was traveling, I would come back from trips and I would hang out with my friends, this group of friends I had. And uh, I came back one time, one summer, and... They, they were, they were, uh, we, we, they would do coke, you know, they would snort it. And then I came back from the trip and then they were smoking it. They were smoking crack. Right. And I would go out, party with them. I'd drink and I would smoke it and I would leave on skateboard trips. And then as I came back on another trip, 
they were smoking heroin. They just one guy that was in our little group went down to like the, they call it the beach flats, and it was right in the where the boardwalk is in Santa Cruz, where the, it's like uh, gang members. It's uh, where all the Mexicans hang out, and they were selling it. My buddy went down there and he introduced it to all my friends, and that's where I ran into it. And I was like in my early twenties. I was twenty three when I first started doing it. Yeah, I was around. And, uh, I was around twenty three when I started doing uh, heroin too. Um, when I was reading about you, it connected you with that skateboard legend, uh, Jay Adams. Um, yes. and it kind of like connected you with him through dope. Uh, that wasn't the way you started doing dope though. No, no. It was the group of friends that I hung out with. You know what I mean? It was just like, I always looked up to Jay Adams. Like he is forever the raddest skateboarder ever, you know, like he, he, he paved the road for, for all of us, you know, us skateboarders. And he was just so happened to be a wild, crazy dude that liked to get nuts and party and have fun. And that was like my idol. That's who I looked up to. So whatever he did, I wanted to be, do and be, you know, like I thought that was rad what he did, you know, and I, that was who I looked up to and that's what he was doing. So I wanted to be just like him. And when I met him, uh, he, he ended up being a, a heroin addict too. Uh, so you had a habit. Believe- Did you have a habit before you met him? Did you and your friends? Yeah, way, right, right, right. Way before that. Right, okay. He is. I met him. In, I met him when I was sixteen. When I finally got sponsored and uh, uh, by a clothing company, Bronze Age, and I went and met him and hung out with him in Venice, where he where he lived. But he and then I just hung out with him one day, and he wouldn't remember it, and. Uh, it was for one day, and then he ended up moving to Santa Cruz, and he, he ran into my friend Jason Jesse that he was close to, and Jason told me that Jay Adams moved to Santa Cruz, and he's looking for you. He wants to hang out with you, and I was like, what? Jay Adams was looking for me? No. Like, <laughs> I, I just couldn't believe it. Like, right. dude, this dude knows who I am. I couldn't. It just blew me away. So I ran into him at uh, NHS at this uh, Santa Cruz Skateboards had this warehouse and they had a ramp inside their warehouse and he was there when I showed up one day and I met him and then we are inseparable from that day on. Like we hung out every day and we would just party and go nuts, man. We would just cause havoc and cause a ruckus. Can you remember any like specific crazy stories from that era, from the Jay Adams era? Dude, we would just go out, man, and just like... We would go where where you go to get the, the drugs from. It was like it was all gang members, and they didn't really like white people going in there. And I remember going in there, and it had to be like three in the morning. You know, people get shot, stabbed there all the time. And I remember we went in there, and there was no one around. And Jay got out of the car, and he just started screaming, "What's up? I want some drugs, man! Where's I?" And like this yelling it, and I'm like, "Jay, we're gonna get shot. We're gonna get, we're gonna get stabbed or something." And he was just so nuts, he just didn't care. You know what I mean? And I was just like, holy shit. You know, and I was so young, I was just like, oh, man, this is the real deal. Like, he was just a nut like that, you know? And, like, we'd smoke crack, too. He'd bust off, like, antennas off of cars and smoke it. He was just a very loud, outspoken uh, person that just yeah. didn't care. You know what I mean? Like, and I was just like, man, this dude is crazy. And I loved it. You know what I mean? Because I was pretty crazy myself. Uh, fighting and just like messing with people, fucking with people, and just just getting a rise out of people. You know what I mean? If I could push someone's buttons, I I, I, I was gonna do it. You know what I mean? I was always looking for danger. I guess you would say. 
So like, we would just go nuts, man, and just we just go yeah. It was just always getting high and just heckling people and. And he uh, wasn't he wasn't skating professionally then, but you were right. I was, and like it was like he's like a pro like surfer, and it's Jay Adams, you know what I mean. So like he's just uh, very well known. And he had, like, sponsors for surfing and still for skating, even, like, being older. You know what I mean? It was because of what he's done on a skateboard. He's always going to have... Was he the guy... Refre- refresh my memory. Because I, I only know about this stuff from the documentary, the, the Dogtown. The Dogtown. Yeah, documentary, Dogtown. which is so good. What a great movie that mm-hmm. is. Um, mm-hmm. He was the one who didn't make it like the other ones, right? He was the one right. who kind of like scampered off as a fucking drug addict and everybody else got rich, right? Right. Well, because Jay was, this is what's rad about Jay. He was probably the raddest out of all. Like they, Tony Alva, uh, Red Dog, Jim Muir, uh, Stacey Peralta, those dudes were rad. Like, don't get me wrong, but Jay, I think, was like the craziest. Like, he would just try shit that no one else had done, but he just did, he didn't care about the sponsors and like the fame of it. He was just loved being a radical right. as a person, a human being, and on the skateboard. So he didn't care for all the contests. He just wanted to hang out, skateboard, surf, and then he, he hung out with, like, the, the Mexicans, the Cholos and stuff, you know? He, I think he just liked living on the edge, you know, of just that, that, that danger side, you right. know? And right, he's That's what was so rad about him because he was probably the gnarliest out of all of them, but he didn't care about the fame. And the the no the the no I don't know the word you say like the notoriety the, the notoriety yeah, the yeah. Notoriety. no I right. hear you and you like that he was like the outlaw yeah. and he lived fucking crazy because he was a junkie fucking street right. skater guy who took risks in every department and the and the other guys got sponsorship and traveled the world and this and that and it was different right it was a different thing right and you kind of had a foot in both camps right. Because you traveled the world with a sponsorship and still you had this kind of dark side, right? Yeah, like, you know, like I, I had I had sponsors and I had good sponsors, but I would always get in trouble on trips. Like I would like light people's heads on fire, hair on fire. <laughs> right. uh, dude, I would just do bad stuff. I would do, I was just mean to other skateboarders. Like if they, if they didn't see it the way I did or skated the way I like looked at skating should be done, then I, then you're on my bad side. And I was just a really fucking mean person back in the day. Really? I picked on everybody. I fought with all the pro skate. Like, if I just didn't like you, I zeroed in on you, and I let it be known. Like, we were fighting, or I'd run you over on my skateboard. I was just an asshole, and I was young, you know? Like, it was just like punk rock skating, anarchy, you know? Like, just... Uh, yeah, I was like, a, I was an asshole. But I'll tell you, man, I, I've spent a little time just watching you and watching people talk to you, and it seems to me that everybody loves you. You seem super sweet. You seem super positive, super like loving life. And yes, of course, you're sober and stuff. But that stuff is always in you, and and it seems like everybody loves you. I mean, so you're talking about yourself like this dick, but like, so why do you suppose you were a dick and were you really like you had all these guys, you know, they loved you. It seems to me watching. Well, no, It was the ones that like, I, like I said, I zeroed in on people that, that didn't, uh, 
see or skated the way I wanted to, but then there was the ones that did, and those ones loved me. You know, like the ones that I was close to, the skateboarders that I was close to, I loved to death, and I would die for them. You know, right. I would do anything for them. So I was like, love to be hated, or whatever you would say. You I know, got like you. what were the bands you like? What was your punk? What were your punk rock bands? Uh, dude, it was like Black Flag. Uh, yeah. You know, um, Faith Void, like RKL. Um, Discharge, like just all that old punk rock music, you know, all from the 80s. Okay. You know, yeah, I just like that real, like, fast, angry stuff that just gets you fired up to skateboard or just to go nuts, you know what I mean? I just got so much energy, and I would hear that music, I'm just like, that is radical. Like, I fucking love it, you know what I mean? That's right up my alley. So what what happened in terms of, like, because you were so successful as a skater, and you were you were fucking bottoming out as a junkie. What was the the first like real bump in the professional road? When I when uh when I got strung out and I wrote for Antihero and I just started ditching out like on trips and stuff. Like what? I just couldn't. Let me ask you. Wait, let me interrupt you. I'm sorry. Everyone yells at me no, for interrupting, okay. but I'm just curious. No worries. What made no worries. Antihero so special? Because I know a lot of the audience isn't going to know the difference between one you know, sponsor or another, but it seems like there was something very special about Antihero. Right. Antihero is like, it's my friend Julian Stranger and John Cardiel. Two of like the raddest skateboarders, like in our era of skating, these two dudes are like the raddest of all time. Like John Cardiel is like, will go down as one of the gnarliest skateboarders ever straight up and join stranger is one of the raddest ones too that just had the raddest style and he's kind of like a j type where he's underground doesn't care about photos but because he's got such respect for what he's done on a skateboard and he's just a good dude that he he you know i mean he's got a great name so they we all hung out together before anti-hero started and we all wrote for different companies but like uh I ended up getting kicked off Santa Cruz for, for like, being just a, a troublemaker. So I got kicked off Santa Cruz. Um, John wrote for Black Label, but and then Julian wrote for, like, Underworld Element, and then ended up writing for Real. And when he wrote for Real, they, they the, the company seen him hanging out with me and John and Sean Young, so they offered him, do you want to start a company, your own company? And him and John and I think John's mom or something had a little bit to do with it, came up with the name Antihero and got us all together to start this this company. And it's just, it was a group of friends. You know what I mean? Right. Like we hung out no matter what team we were on. If we were on different teams, we were hanging out every day. It was just like, I just wanted to hang out with the, the gnarliest skateboarders during my time. Like I want, I want to hang out with the gnarliest dudes on a skateboard. And those were the, the two dudes that were the gnarliest I want to hang out with them. And they just so happened just to be into the same shit I was into, you know, traveling. We'll sleep in the dirt if we have to. Don't complain. You know what I mean? Like, it's just easy to travel with, and we just were into the same stuff, you know? But they did, and, did they uh, get high with you? No, no. Like, no, they're just, they drank, you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, like, we took ass and stuff, but, like, Cardiel, he... I think he might have took mushrooms or something and acid maybe before, but like he, he didn't take it to like the next level of like the hard drugs. You know, he smoked weed, a lot of weed. And then uh, Julian like party drinks and you know what I mean? Like, but and take acid or something, but like 
he, they never did heroin or none of that stuff. Like, no, never. Like, I, I feel like, you know, besides Jay Adams, like, you know, like I might have been, like, one of the first to really publicly, like, be known as that one that got hooked on heroin and became a junkie, you know? Like, no one was really messed up on drugs back in my time. Like, I, so I think that really blew, blew up and, like... You would say you're, you would say you're the pioneer junkie skateboarder? I would probably <laughs> say so. Like, not nothing to be proud of, but we live yeah, the life we live, think, right? You know. Yeah, I hear you. Know, you. And, uh, so, what was the, we just were? You were going to tell me the end of your anti-hero fucking run with dope. Like, what happened? So, like, I just we just would go on trips, and sometimes you just can't get. I was just getting so bad to where I, my weight was like I wasn't. I just looked really bad. My weight was down, and uh, I just wasn't on it. My, I wasn't in the right state in my mind. You know what I mean? I was just getting deeper into it where I like wasn't. They weren't. They were cutting me loose where I wouldn't even get my paychecks. You know what I mean? Because I was too scared to even go in there. And they eventually had to move on. They couldn't find me. They couldn't get a hold of me. And they just like that's how deep I was into it that they just split. They just had to give up on me and like. They hung in there. They tried to get a hold of me. They tried to help me out. Like Deluxe, like Jim Thebo, who was like the main, uh, the, the head honcho of it all, uh, Deluxe Camp of the, of the company, they, they went way out of the way to help me out, and I just w- wouldn't meet them halfway. I was just gone. I was too far deep into it, and uh, they just had to move on, and I just went start going to jail. I, I started stealing. Like I... I never stole in my life. And then I started having to steal, which I hate, you know, like I, I just, if I steal something, I, I feel like uh, they see me, I got guilt written on my forehead. Like you can just see it in my face. Right. Like this dude is up to something. I just wasn't very good at it. And in the beginning, you know, like, but once I uh, had to, like, I ran out of money and had to come up with my own ways of supplying my uh, drug habit, I, you better believe I figured out how to, to start stealing and coming up with different ways to come up with money. And that, was, yeah, like, like, that was like when the real dark time started to happen because you started to, to, it, to get caught and you started going to jail, right? And I started going to jail, man. And I was like so tripped out on going to jail. I, like I go to my friends and be like, that been to jail. I was like, dude, what was it like in there? Like draw me, like I had one of my friends like draw me a picture of like the, the unit that we go to. So he drew it all out. Like the cells are right here, the day rooms, right? You know, the shower and like, dude, I was just like, cause I just knew that's where it was going to, I was going to end up, you know, it's just like whenever you're doing bad things, bad things are going to happen. You know, like it don't last forever. When you're doing bad stuff, you're gonna get caught eventually. So how you long? Know? How and long did it take you to go from riding for antihero to jail? Like, uh, okay, so it was like ninety three, ninety four, maybe antihero started. Like ninety seven, ninety eight is when it got real bad, and and they they split on me. You know, what I mean, they had to let me go or whatever, and then I just from like. Yeah, 90, like probably 96, 97, 98, all that on is where it just started going bad. And that, then I'll get out of jail and I'd do good and hit them up and I'm back. And then I just, it wasn't out of my system yet. So I'd go right back to it. And they would be there for me every time and believe in me. And then I would ditch out on them. And, uh, well, you weren't so, done. Man, I, I mean, it's, it's very hard. I wasn't. You know, anybody who's not done, I mean, I know that I, you know, 
I would go back to my friends and I would go back to my family and I would ask for help or I would, I would pretend for a, you know, I would pretend for a second, like I wanted to get better. But for me, I always really, really liked to stay high. Um, I just always wanted to stay high. Uh, the idea of getting better, like was a nice idea until I was sitting there and like, I never let the better take me. So I always was just too sick to stay that way. Did you ever get any clean time together then? I would for a little bit, but not much. You know what I mean? It just wasn't out of my system yet, man. I just like, I liked the feeling and I, I don't know what it was. I just, it kept, I just wasn't ready. And I just kept going back. And I just like, I think I like the challenge of like coming, like trying to get over and have the cops try and get me and, you know, and like just the challenge of them tag you're it. You got to catch me cops. You know what I mean? And I think I just like got a thrill of that too. And once I went to jail and I was like, all right, I'm in jail. Like, this ain't that bad. Like, okay, this is where you put you. All right. I, and I, I, I'm fine in there. So it was really like I took it to another level. You know what I mean? Like, Can you think okay, of like, I, any, any crazy like uh, chase stories with the cops? Like, like where you're like trying to live, outlive them in the street? I guess you're, you're, you're shooting meth at that point too? I, I, I didn't shoot. I didn't. I, I, I have. I, I did shoot a meth a few times, but I, that wasn't my thing. I smoked it more, right? But but heroin was more my thing. But I would do both definitely. But uh, she, when I shot it, dude, it was like too. Nar- it would just keep me up for too many days, and I seen a lot of my friends just like lose their mind over it. So it was just like I just thought that was too strong way of doing it. So I just <laughs> and, if you, and when you and when you miss. When you're shooting up speed and you miss, like, that's dangerous. You get abscesses and it's, and it's painful. painful as hell. Yeah, I lived in Los Angeles for, uh, a, like, I don't know, five or six years. I, I went to Los Angeles from Florida, and I know that you wound up getting clean eventually in Florida and Delray. I got clean in Florida and yeah. Delray, and I left Florida for L.A., and I moved into my buddy's house, and what I didn't know is he had picked up a meth habit, and uh, and I had gotten off oh, dope, shit. and I was like, I'll fuck with some meth. You know, I, I'll just do some. And, and basically, it was just my body, like, begging me to get back to dope because, like, I don't really like meth. It made me crazy. Right. And, uh, and, and whenever I would shoot meth, I would go insane, and I would just need to shoot a ton of dope just to counter it because I didn't really right. like the feeling, you know, and, and I missed all the time, and it was incredibly painful. Terrible. Yes. Yeah. Can you, and it's just like, dude, you see, you see like those older, I would see these older like uh, junkies and older cats like with like divots in their arms, like chunks of their arm missing. And I was like, dude, what's that from? And it, it was from abscesses. And they like, they have to laser it or something like this pus comes out. And like people lose body arm like parts from like abscesses, you know? And that scared me to death, you know? Like, because after if you don't got no more veins, you start muscling it. Like it's, it takes you that far deep into the addiction where, all right, you got no more veins and you're still got that itching to put a needle in your arm. So you're going to jab it in your muscle and, and where it's not supposed to be. And you can get an abscess and it can deteriorate your muscle and, and take a chunk of it out of your body. Like people take it that far. And I was like, dude, that, that, that's just, it's crazy. That's how crazy heroin is, and it's it's evil, man. And uh, so, like the, the the meth was just like scared me to death, you know. Like 
I just so I didn't do it that much, you know. But can, can you think it, of a, can you think of a crazy story pre jail, like like just something that went down that was just a ridiculous uh, story of the time, dude? Like uh, I'm sure you have well, a billion dude, I, of we, them, but yeah. Well, dude, we were just like I had a group of friends that we would uh, that we would meet downtown. And we would decide where we're going to go steal from, you know. And since I had like I I had a bunch of tattoos, not as many as I do now, but I, I a lot of attention was drawn on me. So I would be the guy that would go in there and kind of distract like the the, the people that worked at the stores. And then my friends would go while they're tripping on me. They would go rip off the place, and then I'd get a cut because I distracted them. But like, dude, I I would. I had a place where I could go sell them like batteries and stuff. So like I would go steal batteries and I went back to go get more and they, they seemed me coming and going. So then when I went to leave the store, it was Long's Drugs and there's a levy right next to it. And, uh, they, they, they came out and they're like, Hey, we know you're still. And I took off running, left my bike, just took off running. They are chasing me. And I just ran, jumped right in the dirty ass, uh, levy water, the river water. Yeah. It was just, you could catch staff if you had cuts, you know, and I swam across it and I knew they weren't going to swim across it, jump in the water too. So I swam across and I, my whole clothes are all wet and I hid in the bushes for hours and I thought the coast was clear and I, I got up and I, my friend lived down the street and I was walking down the street and uh, cop pulled up on me and he had followed my wet footprints, you know, yeah. and, uh, but I would get chased, you know what I mean? And then he snatched me up, you know, like I never, ever just let them arrest me. Like you're, you're going to have to catch me, you know? And then like one other time, like, like, uh, I was at, at a drug house and I was, it was before I went to prison and uh, all, all the dudes I was with had all been to prison and they're on parole. So I was at, at their house and it was upstairs, a two story house. And uh, it was a, a parole search, you know, on, on my buddy. So when I, so I was sick at the time. So the, a friend of mine had, heroin he's like well go get your your needles and stuff and i'll i'll get you well so i went downstairs to my other friend's house where i was staying downstairs to grab my stuff and as i went down there and came back up they, the cops had showed up so i ran up the stairs so i was so sick i was so excited to get well when i ran upstairs the cops were not were right there the sheriffs and i ran right into their lap so it's a two-story uh stairs and I ran right in there and he goes, what are you doing? And I had all my stuff on me and he goes, put your hands behind your back. And I had a flannel button to the top, like to my neck, right? Yeah. Very to the top. And I was so skinny that when he goes, put your hands behind your back, uh, you're under arrest. And so we just wanted to detain you, right? So when I went to put my hands behind my back, they went to, to put the cuffs on. I jumped, I took off and I jumped over the rail and <laughs> out of my kitchen. I was so skinny. I went through my flannel and I jumped off a two story balcony, like the balcony thing and landed on my feet. And, uh, he, and I took off running and he ran down the stairs and started chasing me. And I booked it around the corner and I threw the stuff out that I had on me under uh, some bushes. And I took off and I started hopping fences and I had a little lead on him. And when I, when I hopped the fence, I jumped in his backyard and I buried myself in uh, bushes and he, he, he went in the backyard and he didn't see me. And then they did a big old uh, perimeter check and they couldn't find me. And I ended up like hopping fences all the way to the train tracks and, went to my friend's house and I got away from that one. And, 
got, you know what I mean? I was so sad. I jumped off a two story balcony, Incredible. landed on my feet and went through my flannel and didn't get caught, you know, and they were looking for me forever. And then see, uh, all, all I can I, imagine is you running away from the cops in some situation and some kid is on a skateboard and you're like, sorry, kid, I got to borrow it. And you start, that's my fantasy of you, like a back yeah. to the future moment of you out skating the cops, but that probably never happened. Right. Yeah. Well, no, no, but there was a time where, uh, I was in Stockton and it's a real, uh, it's a, it's by, it's a central Valley and it's Stockton. There ain't nothing to do. It's like meth, heroin. It's a real bad place. And, uh, I had a friend that moved over there. So I was strung out and I was hanging out in Stockton, running around, uh, committing crimes. And my friend and I were on our way. We got a hotel and we, we were on bikes and he got a flat tire on his bike. So he's like, all right, take this bike. Uh, and uh, ride it to the hotel and I'll meet you there. I'm going to steal a car, go find a car to steal. And I'll meet you at the hotel. So it's at nighttime. And I'm, I, uh, I had gotten a DUI just prior to that. And, uh, so, and I got charged with the possession. Well, they had let me out of jail. They had dropped the charge of the DUI. I didn't know that they had a, a, up to a year to refile. Right. So when I'm riding this bike at night, I get pulled over by the cops and, they're like, what are you doing with the extra bike? Oh, my friend got a flat tire. He went to go uh, uh, to see a friend to, to get another bike. I'm just going to ride this one back to uh, the hotel, you know? And he's like, well, I got to call your name in. So he calls my name in, and he's like, you got a warrant. You got a felony warrant. And I'm like, there's no way that I got a felony warrant. I just got released from jail. There's no way. You're going to have to look again. So he goes back to the police car, and he looks it up. And I, when he comes back, I could see in his eyes that he's going to arrest me. So I'm like, nope. And I just book it. I take off running. And this dude was fast. I don't know. Like, I, I'm pretty good at getting away from the cops, but this guy was on me. So I, I run, and I, I got a little bit of uh, – I'm ahead of him a little bit, and I hop the fence. I lose a shoe, and I start hopping fences. And uh, so I start heading over these fences, and they're – on their way at me. So they had done that. Now they got a perimeter, like a, within a mile perimeter, they blocked off every street looking for me. Cause they're determined so to get you. They're just, they, they are determined to get you. Okay. Yeah. I got a felony warrant and I took off running. It pissed them off, you know? And, uh, so I'm hot these fences. So I backtrack and I'm hiding and I, I jump back over the fence and I, I climb around the side of this house right by the front door. And there's these big hedges. And the cop knocks on the door, and he goes, hey, have you seen us? Uh, we're looking for a suspect. You know, he's w- dressed in uh, a black shirt and jean pants, and uh, if you, have you seen anything? And I could hear him, no. All he had to do was look to the left and see me crouch down under behind the bushes, but he, he didn't. He takes off, and I could see a cop car in the middle of a four-way intersection, and uh, they got it all blocked off. They're looking everywhere for me. So I crawl to the side of the house. And there's a driveway next to the house I was at, and there's a car parked. And I, I'm in the driveway, and a sensor light goes off, right? And I look up, and there's a German shepherd oh, no. right there. <laughs> and as soon as that light goes on, he sees me. And all of a sudden, that German shepherd ran right at me, and he, he just started mauling me. He just started biting me, eating me. Like he just got on my arm and walked in <laughs> and was chewing me. So the cops hear the noises, the dog got me and they run up on me 
And they're like, get on your stomach, get on your stomach. And I'm like, I can't get on my fucking stomach, man. The dog's eating me. I'm trying to protect <laughs> the myself. The dog's this eating dog my stomach, is, officer. He's literally chewing my my arm to the bone. And uh, so they, they finally get the dog off of me. And I'm like, fuck you, cops. And they fucking go, oh, yeah? And they let the dog go. And the dog went back onto my fucking uh, my arms and my ribs and just started biting me again. And they're just laughing while this dog is just chewing the shit out of me. So... They finally get me, arrest me, and uh, laughing at me, take me to the hospital. I get all stitched up, and they ended up taking me to jail, you know? And, and you did a ton of just, time. You did a ton of time in jail and in prison, right? Yes, I ended up, yeah, like I just started going to jail. I would go to honor farms where it's like the, the minimum security, you know, where it's real Camp Snoopy, where lattes and a, a mile track and weights and a coffee machine. And then as you get in more trouble and more time in jail, you don't get to go there no more because I would get in trouble there. So then I would get to stay in county jail. And then as I started doing that, I eventually ended up going to prison and, uh, and I'll tell you what, man, once I started going to prison, I'm like, all right, this is like the very, very worst place you could go. And I, I, I could survive in here. And then I was just like, dude, I'm not afraid of nothing. Then the crime started getting worse. Because you, know you, you were a professional criminal now. You, you, weren't, yeah. Yeah, you weren't so much a professional skateboarder at that point. You're a fucking professional criminal. Um, and when yeah. I, I listened to your podcast with, uh, with Steve-O, and you kind of confess to home invasions. Is that after prison or before prison? Uh, it, it was. It was before. And uh, and when I would do these, I just want to make this clear. <laughs> I, it, it was. It was like drug dealers. We right. kicking drug dealers. Tell me. And, tell uh, me a story of, of 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 robbing a drug dealer in a home invasion, please. Well, there was a. Uh, we, we 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 knew of a. Uh, uh, a house and it was in Santa Cruz and it was some people that we knew and, uh, that, uh, we, we knew that, um, that they were growing weed, a lot of weed. And so we got masks and got guns and we, four of us went there and we went at night, cased it out and kicked the door in, get all the people. One guy, uh, two guys hit, hit the, uh, hit the rooms, cleared all the rooms out. One guy gets them all in the living room, puts a blanket over and zip ties them, puts them under a blanket. And then there's a guy outside that keeps point. And, uh, you, you, we went into this house and you go under each room, you get everybody and put them under, throw the blanket over them. And my friend was in such a hurry. He, he didn't look under a bed. My friend double checked, went under a bed and he looked under the bed and there's a, 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 a gun pointed right at him. My buddy forgot, to check under the bed in one of the rooms. So my buddy pistol, like, like hit him with the butt of the gun, dragged him under, out of the bed and put him underneath a blanket and, and got like, we got like, I don't know, it was like almost a hundred pounds of weed. It was like a farm, you know, and there was like $12,000 cash. There was a lot of cash and, uh, it was the real deal. You know, like I was started hanging out with some, Hold bad on, I'm confused. I'm confused. The guy found somebody else under the bed. Explain that to me. So, like, the people that live there, right? So, yeah. when you kick in the door, yeah. it, there, there was people that were watching the weed. So, there was probably, like, five, six of them at the house. So, 
you get the one. Okay, there's a couple in the living room. So what happened with the, the dude under the bed, bed, though? What happened with the dude under the so, bed? My buddy hit him with the gun oh, okay. in the head. He, you know what I mean? He Dragged him out. Right. Got got him from underneath the bed and put him in the living room with the rest of the the people and tied him up, zip tied him, and uh, throw the blanket over him. And then you kick him every few minutes, let him know that you're still there, and uh, you just start taking everything that you can that's valuable, all the weed, like. It was a lot of wheat, you know? Crazy. And, That's uh, crazy. I mean, it's crazy also that you went from, like, being this, like, big-time pro skater to this really intense kind of drug addict criminal. I mean, I think that's... It's pretty... Prof- I mean, like... One of the things about Dopey that I find interesting is it's like, I'm clean, you're clean, um, we did some stupid stuff in our day, but, like what, like, what a crazy spectrum of stuff that you actually did. You know, and I'm not saying it like to shame you or anything, but to be able to look back on a memory like that, it's pretty crazy, don't you think? Absolutely, dude. And it's not, it's not, it's not good. You know what I mean? Like, I don't wish this uh, addiction on anybody, any kid, anyone, you know, like that's how far it took me. You know what I mean? Like, because I was going to get the weed, sell it, and that would, that would uh, pay for my, my, my drug habit. You know what I mean? That was my only thought. And like it, to take it to things that far where you're tying people up and you're pointing a gun in their face and doing stuff like that, like that, that that's pretty serious. You know what I mean? It's bananas. And now that I look back at it, and that, that's that's not that's not that's not right. You know what I mean? And I, I feel very horrible about it. And I just it's not worth it. You know what I mean? Like well, I just it's I'm, I, it's, it's it's embarrassing. Well, you know? it's, it's not, crazy. And, um, and it's, it's, I wouldn't say it's embarrassing, but it is, it is crazy. Um, but I want to ask you because obviously things changed, you know what I mean? Like you went full on criminal, full on robbing people, doing drugs, being a fucking mess. How did you start inching back into skateboarding, into being around people and, and getting closer to sobriety? Like what was the change? Well, I just, I, I got the, the last time I got out of prison, uh, I got out and I was just tired of it being told when to, to, to eat, shit, sleep, shower. You know what I mean? Like it, it just was getting old. And like I, when I was started going to jail and prison, like I, I you know, like I'll, I'll do this time and it'll be all right. Like I'm never going to get old. I just thought I was going to be a kid forever. Like I just had all this time in the world. And the next thing you know, 10 years are gone. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that was all in my prime of skating. Well, my body's the healthiest, and uh, I just wasted it. And I just started looking at it like, dude, what am I doing? And I'm still, like, fighting this addiction, you know what I mean? But I got tired of, like, going and getting locked up. Because when you go to jail, the, the cops, they, they start knowing you by name. Sure. You're a regular. Not to mention like, you had tattoos on your face, right? You, had, you were very recognizable. Right, you know, and when you're locked up, then they win, you know what I mean? When you stay out of jail, then I win, you know what I mean? Like, it's, I'd rather be out because they, they want you in there, you know? Like, if you're locked up, dude, they, then they win, you know what I mean? I'd rather just just not be do anything bad, anything wrong, live like a normal civilian and 
and stay out of trouble. It's just a lot easier. You got tired of and you I, got tired of this game. It made I, you insane. I, I, yeah, I understand. Yes. And I got out and I, I, I did my parole. It took me five years to get off of it. I did some violations and I finally got off of it and I thought I was good and and uh I, I got married, had a kid and then I, I got tired and I, I couldn't hang with that and I fell back and it started getting old again and uh, I, I was doing skateboard lessons and the kids like started getting into other stuff so money and then it wasn't working out and I just wasn't I don't know I guess I wasn't done yet and then I moved to San Francisco I got a job I'm back with my skater friend and uh, you, were clean or, you were clean or using at that point I, I was clean I was clean and uh, I was skating and I got, they put me back on the team. I started traveling. They gave me my board back after 16 years. Right. I got my board back. Like they gave me a my at 16 years. Like that doesn't happen. You know what I mean? The anti-hero gave it back to me. And then I, I just moved into this house and there was drugs there. And I started, you know, I got divorced. After, when I got divorced, I moved to San Francisco and I got that job and I lived at this SRO that's a single room office. Yeah, I know what it is. Where it's, it's just junkies and prostitutes yeah. and just like bad people live there and, you know, and I got caught up in that and started using again. I met this wonderful girl that I'm with today, but like I dragged her through all this horrible shit, you know, and uh, How did, luckily um, she's how did how did how did she stick with you through all of it? Well, she 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 just didn't know much of the drug. Like she and I was smoking a lot of weed, and I was real moody. And when I stopped smoking weed, that that mood was still there. That 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 bad addict, that that bad person I was being was still there, and I was getting sloppy. She just. I nodded out. She caught me nodding out, and she would move out, take off, go back to her parents' house for three months, give me another chance, and I'm, I'm going to do better. And and then uh, I would fuck up again, and she would split again, and then she finally like caught me nodding out, and she's like, I'm over it. I'm fucking moving back home. She had this house for like 10 years. She had rent control, like super cheap rent, right. a three-bedroom house in San Francisco for $1,800 a month. Like You know what I mean? It was like pretty... Pretty amazing, yeah, yeah. Pretty amazing, and like for for me to ruin it all and her to move back, and you know, like she she's a, the love of my life now, and like I, I just lost her. Now, like, what am I going to do? And bam, Margera, a friend of mine, like uh, I became friends with, caught wind of it. Come, come asked me to come to his house, and uh, how to get did off how stuff. did you wind up? How did you wind up friends with him? Like, that, did he just know of your skating career, and he knew? like your exploits kind of thing. And he just felt like familiar with it. Like, how did that happen? He, uh, he I'm older than him. So he's like a, a error or two behind me, you know, after, yeah. after me. And, uh, so I, I knew who he was and from skating, even before jackass and stuff. And then I'm sure he knew who I was. And, uh, he just hit me up randomly he, I was working at Deluxe, and he came by, and he wanted to do, like, some skit with me. And it never happened. And then a couple of years went by, and he hit me up again out of nowhere. And he has a, a, a wife that's from Petaluma near San Francisco where I was living. 
and he hit me up to go skate and hang out. And he hadn't been in the skateboarding world in a long time. He he was like tripping because he was older, gained some weight, and he was embarrassed that he wasn't as good a skateboarder as he used to be. So he hit me up to go skate, and I'm like, dude, I'll take you around my friends and get you back around some people and like no one's gonna trip no one's gonna make fun of you like do people love you and and i did and we started hanging out and we just became good friends close friends and uh he started getting back into skating and so that's how our relationship kind of came about you know he ended up wanting to rent a room for me and my girlfriend and he left us with a credit card like here's my card you could uh take money out for rent and if you need to use a card you can which we didn't we didn't wasn't like that right he stayed there all but one day and he never even really moved in you know but uh he just uh, he liked the idea of being with you it was almost like a reverse jay adams situation where you were jay adams and he was you yeah in a weird way before i had yeah in a weird way and i think uh i I didn't have my teeth fixed yet and i just think he thought i was like a crazy guy and right it was uh, a story for him in a way and he probably uh, bonded with you you know yeah i don't yeah so (laughs) i don't know he's got he's got a good heart and he's a good dude um but yeah i just we so i took him around and we yeah we just started hanging out and uh he flew me and my, my, my girlfriend out for my birthday to his house, and uh, he, he flew me to Tennessee and to see my kid that, that lives out in Tennessee. Like, he's done some cool stuff for me and my girlfriend, and uh, that's pretty awesome, you know? Like, it's amazing. So It's crazy. So, yeah, when finally she caught me getting high, I went out to his place, and uh, I just I ended up finding it out there, and... They came to do an intervention on him. Well, what was was that story? That's like a famous story now that everybody, they were going to intervene on him because of his alcohol and Coke. Was it, was that his thing? He, he, uh, he, he drinks and he likes to pop Adderall. Ah. And, and when he runs out of Adderall, he, he does meth. Okay. And I go out there, I ended up finding the meth, you know what I mean? Cause because that's what you do. You can find, you, yeah, you can find it anywhere. Yeah. You know, I could be anywhere in the world, and if I want to get some, I can. You well, know you can I mean? find anything anywhere. You know what I mean? That's right. that's just how it is. I understand. Exactly. So I've been out there for a month, and uh, I ended up at the, like, the end of the month, I started like meeting some of his friends, and through his friends, I'd meet the bad, you know, the ones like I could tell that were, were doing drugs, you know, and I found it, and Went to like Kensington or something, Philly, where it's like the zombies. Kensington. Like, it's like, yeah. 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 The open air fucking dope market. Was, oh my God. I never been there. And, and you were using at that point, and you showed up in Kensington. Uh, and yeah, when I was at BAM at the end, I met this girl that was like a pill popper, and she drove me out there, and uh, we, we found out where it was, got directions, and went out there, and it was at nighttime, man. And uh, I'm telling you, this place was like zombie land. I never seen nothing like it. It was as bad and, as everybody describes it. It was just ridiculous. Exactly. 
Uh, yeah, people get shot and killed there every day, and I'm out there, and it's freezing cold, so the drug dealers are wearing big old jackets, and they wear, like, these things over their face to keep their face warm. Yeah. So I, I, I hit this dude up, and he starts going, all right, I can get it for you. Let's follow me. And I start going down the street, and it started getting darker and darker, and I'm like, dude, this dude's going to rob me. He's got a jacket on. He can have a gun on it. I'm like, hey, homeboy, like, uh, I'm good, man. I think I'm going to go, I'll go find it back. Like where there's more people around, you know. <laughs> you know, what he say? I can see it coming. Uh, he's like, well, "All right, right." He's like, "I can find it for you here. We'll go this way." So he sees the dude on the corner. He was a middleman, you know. Yeah. He got it for me. I gave him a little. I gave him like a little bindle or whatever, and he went on his way. And I jumped back in the car and took off. But you know, and Bam was partying, drinking, doing his Adderall, and then I found the meth guy, and Bam met him, and ended up getting them from him but like at the end of it like I was supposed to fly home and I missed my flight so I'm stuck out there and I get a phone call from Novak and he's like we're doing it we're coming to do an intervention and it's who is it it's Brandon Novak um sober coach his name is Bob yeah I heard I forgot yeah. his last name I forgot his yeah, last name the, too I know what you're talking and, about yeah and Tim Ryan and like these guys are like heavy hitters, interventionists that are going to come uh, do an intervention on Bam. Does so does Bam Novak back. does Novak know how fucked up you are? He yes, I had been talking to him, and my girlfriend had told him like I was messed up. So he he was like, dude, I can get you into a program, but I was just like, I I got this on my own. I could do it. You know what I mean? And because my girl got me clean but i ended up going back like you know i did like 10 days over or whatever and uh you know what i mean so she had been talking to novak here and there a little bit so right. he he knew you know what i mean she so, wanted you to get what, better she want she that's uh, what that was her plan right she wanted she uh, wanted them course. to offer you something of course you know and uh She's like my manager, you know what i mean like she looks out for me like i i she's my rock for sure no i understand I would be a I'd be a mess without it. So they, they go and out the, to intervene on Bam, and and, uh, and, and he doesn't go at, for it. He's at his mom's house, and we went to a concert the night before. I went back to his house. He stayed at his mom's, April and Phil's house. And they went, all three of them, Bob, Tim, and Novak went to his mom's, and Novak goes upstairs where Bam's sleeping, wakes him up. Bam comes downstairs, and the other two dudes are there, and Bam sees them, and they're like, hey, man, we want to help you. We want to get you in a program, and Bam flips out. And he's like, fuck you guys. I'm not going. I don't need no fucking uh, rehab. I have no problem. I'm not going. You guys are wasting your time. He tries to jump in his car. They blocked his car. He can't get out. Flips out. They finally move the car. He splits. So they failed on that one. And... When I was out there, there was one other guy that was with us, Freddie Gall, who's a, a well-known pro skateboarder, too, that's amazing, from Jersey. So all three of us were all hanging out, and, and he was strung out, too. So all three of us, just the guy kind of skipping all over the place. But that's okay. I'm with you. So, so Freddie ran out of, of drugs. He was really definitely sick. We drive him back to Connecticut or uh, Jersey and so he could get well. He ends up talking to Novak. I think they sent him to a program first. He went, he lasted two weeks, got a, uh, a visit from his mom. His mom brought him some fentanyl drugs. He got caught, got kicked out. Lasted two weeks, went back home. His mom ended up dying. I think it might have been an OD. I'm not sure, but oh she passed God. away. 
So that's the bad thing there. So that was Freddie went first. Lasted two weeks, split. And then when they came to Bam's, when Bam finally left his mom and dad, he went back to the house that I was at. So the following morning, they go for round two to hit Bam up. Like, you know, and I'm there. And he wakes up, and he's like, I'm not going. I told you guys. And I think Steve-O was on the phone, and they go, well, Andy's here. And I know Andy's not doing well. Does he want to go to a program? And I was just like, dude, I'll go. Dude, I lost my girlfriend. She moved out. Dude, I had nothing. Like, she was the love of my life. I was just, I just wanted to die. I was just like, dude, I'm just going to do drugs till I fucking OD and die. Like, I'm just, I have nothing. I have nothing. Like, I lost everything. Like, I'm done. So I'm just going to do this till I stop breathing. And uh, they come and do an intervention the second day. And th- th- my name comes up. And I'm like, dude, take me. Take me right now. They're How old were right you? Now. How old were you when that happened? This was just recently, man. This is like uh, this was just the beginning of last New Year's. Right. So you were just you you had seen enough, though, man. You know, you had seen a fuck enough, and and somebody finally said, you know, I think you probably did. You see in Bam like what he should have taken, and you were like, you're not going to take this, but I'm not going to miss out on another fucking chance Uh, to fix my life. Yeah. Yep. There was just like, dude, this is it. It's now or never. You know what I mean? Like it's time, dude. I'm I'm. Dude, I'm 48 years old, man. Like, I'm gonna be 50 soon. Like, that's crazy. Like, and I'm still doing this bullshit, dude. It's got, it's got. I'm, I'm done, dude. Like, I'm, I'm gonna throw in the fucking towel. Let me ask you this. This is a weird question, okay? Like, if because Bam, you know, made it very big, very young, right? He was a kid, and he was on TV, and he was a skateboarder, and he was a TV star, and he made a shitload of money, and he was very wealthy and very like famous, right? Yes. So you go out to his house. You're like ten years older than him, right? Something like right. that. And you see yeah. everything that he has, and it's kind of everything that you missed, right? Right. But I'm not. But like, yeah. I, I like I could. I could. Uh, good things would have definitely happened for me. I'm not a materialistic person right. like he is. But it would be nice to own a house. No, It'd be no. nice to take care of my parents, my kid. What I mean, you know though, I, mean? I don't but, mean it. I don't mean it like you could have been rich and famous kind of thing. I mean, like here you are in this dude's house that basically got to benefit from his talent, where you kind of like, you know, you slipped early, and then here he is not taking the life vest, you know, the life whatever. They're throwing him the fucking life preserver, and he's just like, I don't right. want it, and you're like, holy shit, I want that. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like a sort of like an epiphany yeah. kind of thing. Definitely, because like, dude, he doesn't like, I, and I knew he he's in trouble, dude. Like he, it's life or death. Like, dude, he's not doing good, and and I, I'm right there with him. And I just like, I'm that dude that's with Bam fucking up. Like, I don't want to be that guy. You know what I mean? Like, or I, I got the reason. Like, I just didn't want to be associated with that. Like, I'm done. Like, right. it's just like bad now. Like, I'm uh, this older dude now. I I did all the prison time, all the jail shit. I got I did, got got off all that parole and all that. Got back into skating, and then I'm gonna lose it all again, again. It's like, and fuck then, like, that I'm shit. Bang- yeah, and then like, dude, this is just like, this is it, man. Like I'm fucking done. And then, bam, gets hit up. Like, dude, these people are like well-known dudes that are gonna hook you. And I had no money. They're like, I do. I don't got no money for this rehab. They're like, dude, we'll take care of you. Steve-O, Novak, Tim Ryan, Bob. Like, we got you. And I'm like, what? Really? Dude, I- I'm in. 
Will you leave right now? I'm like, yes, I'll go. Bam's like, nope. So then they go, they go, they go, well, we can't get you a flight till the next morning. I'm okay. I'll be ready. And so I went and did my little last little fun. And then after I left in the morning to Florida, I got a phone call saying, bam, it changed his mind and, and jumped on a plane too to Sausalito, California. But he only lasted four days. And these are real programs, you know what I mean? Where like, it's the real deal. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. I, I, and I, I went, man, and I was gung-ho. Like, dude, I, I threw in towel. I'm surrendering. And four days into it, I got a therapist, a counselor. Like, I'm in front of grown-ass men, and I got to do a life story of consequences, like homework, like deep stuff that I've been holding in for all 48 years of my life. I've been holding in, not sharing with no one, and they want me to let it out. I'm like, dude, I want an AMA. That means leave the program. Yeah, so I'm like, yeah, dude, I'm out of here. I don't, yeah. yeah, you know what I mean? My feelings were starting to come back. You know what I mean? I had a few days. So, you know, I, you know I, my, all my stuff, was, all my feelings were coming back. And I was just like, it, it hurts. You know what I mean? And I'm just like, dude, I, I, can't, I don't, I don't want to do this. I'm out of here. So they, they called Tim Ryan, and they're like, dude, just sleep on it. Dude, just sleep on it. We'll, we'll work with you. You don't have to. There's no due date on this papers we want you to do, you know, if you don't want to share right now, you don't have, you know, and I slept on it and I just go, you know what, I'm just going to do what they asked me to do. I'm going to just do what they tell me to do. So I mean, I'm here. They, they, they went out of their way to help me. This is a lot of, you know what I mean? I did you, my, did I, you slip at that point or did you not use when you left? No, when I was at the program, I wanted to leave. I stayed. You didn't so go. Stayed. You did the right thing. I didn't go. Right, right. I stayed. Yeah. I slept on it, and I decided to stay. And then I I did everything that they asked me to do that I didn't want to do. I started sharing. I started doing these papers on myself, uh, my life stories, stuff that I didn't say. I haven't told anybody. Uh, tears started coming out of my, dude, I would cry out of nowhere. Dude, I started bawling, like, dude, like a little baby. Like, dude, all, like, it was all coming out, dude. It was all coming out. And it felt good, though, to let it out. You know what I mean? And I started listening, paying attention to what they, these, uh, these counselors and people were saying, you know? Like, I wasn't sitting in that chair they're rolling my eyes, you know, like I, I, I'm going to take in and process what they're telling me and I'm going to use it to help me stay clean, you know, cause you can get, it's easy to, to get so clean and sober, but to stay yeah, yeah. clean and sober is a whole nother ball game. I think the I mean? interesting thing I, I read someplace a long time ago, like I couldn't get clean, you know, it took me until I was 41 to get clean and I got clean because I just couldn't live with, uh, just being like a shitty parent. Like I couldn't live with it. So I got clean because I, I just couldn't live with it. But what I had read was that sometimes, and it was a weird thing because whenever I bring this up to anybody, they say they never heard of it. But I read something once about heroin addicts who kind of like almost age out of being a junkie. Like you get to a point of age where you're like, you're tired of that kid thing. And it sounds to me like you're 48 and you see all these people who like prospered and like, you're like, what the fuck? How, how long am I going to live like this? And you, you fucking, you stuck it out, you know, like it was too much. It was too long. Right. You had done enough. Yeah. The dude, I, I've been, uh, I'm not there for my kid. Um, my, my, my parents are getting older. They're not, their health is getting bad. Uh, my girlfriend that did so much for me, I treated her like crap. Um, uh, I, I just, everything, dude, I just did, 
I don't want to be a shitty person. And I'm still work. Don't don't get dude. I'm still got bad stuff that I'm working on. You know, like I'm trying to fix. And it's a process, man. And it takes a lot of work and time to yeah to to work on this stuff and make it right. But I, I want to do the right thing, and I want to be able to stay sober and. and I want to start accomplishing things. I want to do things in life that I didn't do before. Like I do this, I do a podcast like you do. My girlfriend came up with the idea. It was her idea to do it, and I didn't even know what a the rip ride, was. rip ride with Andy Roy. Yeah, man, it's really yeah. happening, right? How's it going? And it's going great, you know. And with the help of her, like I couldn't have done it without her. But like she's introducing me to stuff that I would have never thought I would do before if I was on drugs, I wouldn't be doing this stuff. You know what I mean? Like totally. there's so much cool stuff to do when you're sober. You know what I mean? Like you can't have fun being sober. Yeah. You know I mean, mean, that's, that's my whole point of this thing. It's like, you can go from somebody like you who's fucking robbing drug dealers or just living the, I mean, basically the, the most fucking debauched drug riddled life. And here you are, you have like a year, right? Almost a year. How yeah. much time? Yeah. 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 And, January 8th. Well, you're coming up on it and like, you're enjoying yourself. How long did it take before you were enjoying yourself? Cause that's something I hear from people all the time. They want to know like, when does it turn? You know what I mean? Like, I know for me, it took me, it took me like, I think four months to start to feel better You know what I mean To like Really like Wake I don't know To have a shift When did it turn for you That you could start Enjoying yourself Because it doesn't happen Right away Dude I'll tell you what man When I was in that program I, Dude I was I was having fun in there Dude it just like It just like Within a couple months Like when I could start Sleeping at night Without anything You know what I mean And getting like Normal rest And waking up And uh I just started I just A happy person man Like a smile on my face So like after a couple months Dude Because I went into the program uh, Wanting it You know what I mean Surrendering Like I went to a program in the 90s And I lasted like a week or something Because I wasn't ready You know what I mean But after those two months man I just like and, and and talking to my, my therapist and my counselor and, like, participating in all these groups I was doing, like, uh, dude, it just, like, it just started getting, I could tell life is getting better. And it's just, like, all right, dude, this is, with these fans, I'm getting laughs that are genuine now. I'm laughing at this silly stuff. That There's I nothing better than that, at. right? There's nothing better right. than a real sober laugh when you lose yourself in the laugh and you're not high or drunk. It's the most amazing thing in the world, isn't it? It is. It's crazy. It's like a high on itself. You yeah, know what I mean? Like, I do. I do. It's, it's like my favorite fucking thing. Hey, dude, you want to do something? You want to play a quick, stupid uh, game show segment called The Stash Word? I'm down. All right. It's going to be very it. quick. I'm going to ask you 12 questions. They're fairly stupid. You have to answer them as quick as you can, okay? Okay. How high can you ollie? I can hop. I could probably only ollie a few inches. I'm not a very good ollier. I'm not very good. Okay, just quick, quick, quick. What are the two okay. main categories of dentures? Do you know the answer? Categories. Uh, I don't. I know there's retainers, and I know there's, like, denture dentures. There's mandibular oh, I, arch, and there's maxillary arch. Do you know which one you had? 
No, I just know they're implants. Okay, so yeah, very so lucky. You're very lucky. Why do they call an ollie an ollie? Because of the guy that invented it is Alan Gethlin, and he was the first one to do it. So he, they they uh, they named it after his name. Okay, yeah. What's in a goofball? A goofball is speed and heroin. Skate or. You have to say skater? Yes, thank you. What is the biggest vein in your neck called? I don't know, but I shot it out. Yeah, I know. Uh, what is skating goofy foot? That means you, that's a certain stance. Okay. Uh, what Full House star has Dank Bud named after him? I have no idea. You posted a picture of his bud, Bob Saget bud. Uh, oh, <laughs> what, wow. Have you ever shot dope in your pee-pee? Yeah, I sure have. And what is a front size nose blunt side? What the fuck is that? That is when you <laughs> land on the, the, the nose of your skateboard and slide on the, the, the surface of the whatever ledge or coping that you're skating, and you pop in. So what's your fucking vision of the future? What are you going to do, Andy? Tell me. What's your plan? Dude, I want to take over the world. There you I go. want to live happy fun i want to see the world i want i want my girlfriend to be happy i want to be there for my kid i want to make him be proud of me i want to be able to take care of my mom and dad and i just want to live life to the fullest and because you only live once man you got to take advantage of it life is quick man especially as you get older man you got to take advantage of it because it my clock's ticking so i need to get mine while i can I know what you mean, man. You sound great. Yeah. I'm very happy for you, and I'm sorry we had to run through so much misery to get to the good stuff, right? Isn't that funny? Isn't that funny how yeah. that works? It's crazy. Yes. But um, nah, this has been a this has been a blast, man. I'm, I I thank you so much, man. No, I for, thank you for having me. And uh, and I met you through Chuck Chuck Davis, who works at Wavelengths with Warren Boyd. Warren Boyd's been on the show. Chuck's been on the show. Ashley, I don't right. know if he still works there, but he used to work there. Ashley Hamilton. So I know the little right. Wavelength team. And you seem like a nice bunch of guys. Do you do you work for them now? Yeah, I work for them. I'm 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 a driver, so I drive clients to like uh, doctors' appointments, dentist appointments, uh, back and forth to whatever they need to do. Um, so I drive clients around. You know, like they helped me out. They they took me in, and uh, t- t- Warren wanted me to stick around. Chuck was my counselor, which is, he's an amazing dude. Yeah, he is. They have nothing but love for people and actually care for. Uh, for their clients, you know, Warren knows every client by name. You know, he makes he goes up and talks to every single client. He's a, a wonderful guy. He means well. He's got a big heart. Good Chuck stories. is amazing. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I'm very lucky, and I just want to give back for them taking me in and helping me out and getting sober. So I wanted to give back, and they wanted me to stick around, so I am. Let and, me ask uh, you this. I mean, I know that when I've been in treatment, and I've been in treatment a bunch of times, Whenever I would go out with the driver, you know, if I had to go to an appointment or I had to go someplace, I always remember, like, really trying to bond with the driver because the driver is mm-hmm. always, always in recovery and the driver's seen a lot of shit. Like, do you feel like you're some sort of, like, advising driver? Like, are you helping these, the new guy in the, in the van? Do they ask you questions and stuff? Yeah, they sure do. And you know what? Like I, I pick up, uh, I pick up this one house, Sands, and uh, it's a bunch of clients, uh, guys and girls, and they always go, Andy, 
dude, you're always smiling when we come pick you, when you come pick us up. You're always smiling. They're like, dude, I want what you got. That I'm always just like show up smiling and just happy. So they're just like, how do you do it, dude? And like, you know, I just try and tell them, man. Like, you're you're you're, you're we're all sick, man. No one's better than anybody else. You're you're here for a reason. You got to take what they suggest you to do. Listen, you know, keep be open minded. Don't go there and like, cause you know, some people just want to like. Uh, I see a lot of young kids, and I feel like uh, they're kind of work. They work. They work the rehabs. You know what I mean? Like they don't have nowhere to go, or their parents kick them out. So they're just using this time to have a place to stay. But man, there's sick people out there that need help. You know what I mean? So yeah. you're taking someone's spot that needs it. So if you're going to be here, do what they tell you. Take it all in. You know what I mean? Because Dude, this is life or death, you know, and it's 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 serious, man. It's a big epidemic of uh, this addiction, man. It's bad, and not that many people come out of it. No, and that's I mean that's you, a big deal. Listen, but the fucked up thing, yeah. though, Andy, this is a question because I, I struggle with this kind of thing too, right? Um, mm-hmm. When I before I got some time, you know what I mean? I was like a dude there who. Who I wouldn't say I worked it, but I knew that I wasn't going to stay clean. And and you were kind of that guy, you know what I mean? When you when you like, I mean, do you know how many times I was in a place and I wasn't going to get better, and they would say, "All you have to do is take suggestions." And I was basically incapable of taking a suggestion. I was incapable of listening to anybody because I didn't I didn't want to stop getting high and I didn't want to listen. Like, how do you deal with that? Because you know that defiance. You were defiant most of your life. So, like, how do you how do you make you can't make somebody take a suggestion? Does that frustrate you? Well, yeah. Like, for example, like you know, like like like, bam, you know, like you know, like I got him into this program, you know, the the first time. This is the second time around, and he he's you got to be honest. Like, you got to be honest. You know, like yeah, I got a problem. You know, and that's the first step right there. Being honest and 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 admitting that you have a pro a problem and you're powerless. You know, and until you until you admit that you have a problem, you, you're not going to be able to fix it. So, like, I just like I get frustrated with Bam because he's very creative, and I'm not trying to pick on him or like anything. Like, he's a very creative person, and uh, I know when he's sober, he he could do a lot of good, special, awesome things and make people laugh and put smiles on people's faces. But he's got to be honest, or just anybody. You you, you got to. You got to to be honest and admit it, and then from there you could you could work on it. You know what I mean? Right. And until then, like it's gonna go nowhere. And the first time I went to the program, I wasn't ready. This time, I didn't want to. Like this time, I wanted to be in the rehab. I wanted it. So I I did everything they told me. So this time around, it was it was easy. Not easy, but it was. Like I, I did it. I'm sticking around. You know, I, I'm in for the long haul. I right. want to do this. I want to keep it. You but you gotta want it. Want it exactly. You have to want it. You can't help someone if they don't want to help themselves. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you can't make someone get sober. Like you just can't do it. There's just there, there's no way. It's impossible. There, there's absolutely no way that you could just like I could rain Bam's neck and like punch him in the face a million times or whatever gets sober. But until he or anybody else 
wants to be like admit and say like dude i want I, I i want to be sober then that's where it starts right there right but you can't make someone do it you have to be ready the you fu- have to right the worst thing though the most fucked up thing is like when someone's not ready and they're right close and they catch some fucking fentanyl and they die and they never have a chance to get ready. But there's nothing that we can do about that. You know what I mean? It's crazy. It's a crazy situation because you can't make anybody get better. You know, I think you said it perfectly. Uh, I want to ask you I want to ask you one last thing and then I'll finally let you go enjoy your life with your girlfriend and stuff. Um, <laughs> dude, I could talk for hours, dude. I'm, I'm <laughs> the no la- problem. The last question is: You're fucking like hanging out with with Bam Margera and Stevo, going to meetings and skating half pipes and whatever. Uh, is uh-huh. that a, is that a scene? Like, do people freak out when they see the three of you at a skate park or something? Does that happen? Is that a thing? Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, definitely. Like when I go out with Steve-O and, uh, and he's got this dog, Wendy, that he, he got from Peru. Uh, but, uh, when we go out, yeah, people trip. They're just like, no way. Like, dude, these, these knuckleheads got clean and they're just like, dude, if they could do it, it kind of gives other people hope. But yeah, people trip out all the time. They're just like, they can't believe it. You know what I mean? Like these two knuckleheads got clean and they're hanging out sober together, you know, and it's a pretty neat thing, you know, and I'm do anyone that comes up to me and like wants a photo or whatever, or talk like, dude, I, I, I never say no. You know what I mean? Because I, I, what it's all about is helping the next person, you know, like, yeah, I, I just don't want no one to go down the road. I went down kids, you know what I mean? Got their whole life ahead of them. And it's a miserable life, man. It's a, it's a, it's a dark, dark, dark road. And it's not fun. There's nothing glamorous about it. There ain't nothing fun. It's just, it's, it's no good, man. And there's just life is so, there's so much out there to, to do in life. You know what I mean? Yeah. And if you just stay, I just think, dude, I got this, this friend, Johnny Russell, dude. He's a friend, my friend in San Francisco. He's never drank or done drugs in his life. And I just think that's the coolest thing ever. And he kind of, and he goes out and hangs out and goes to bars and picks up on girls. But I just thought that was the coolest thing ever because he knows how to have fun without putting any chemicals in his body. I just envy that. Johnny Johnny Russell has a gift, uh, right? Johnny Russell has a gift. My buddy Johnny Russell. Let me but, ask uh, you like, one yeah, last thing. Steve's got eleven. Steve's got eleven years sober, man. Like it's pretty radical, dude. It's, it's pretty amazing, neat, you know. I didn't realize yeah. it had that much time. That's amazing. Yeah, um, and. It's cool because he reached out to me that uh, he knew that I was sober and I never hung out with them before. You know, we know who each other was, but since I got sober, he reached out to me and we, we started going to meetings and became friends and he's like happy for me and now we're close and Chris Pontius, we man, like, dude, all these dudes are super cool, man. And it's just like, my God, I got my girlfriend back. Like, dude, I'm living with her. Like, uh, you know, I'm trying to work on uh, things to, to be there for my kid, Cruz. Like, dude, he's a wonderful kid. He's a, he, dude, he gets straight A's, and he, he's just a, a he's just amazing. Is person. he still I, he's still on the East Coast? He's in Tennessee. Uh, he, he, yes, and I'm still bad at making call. You know, I'm trying to work on things to be there for him, like money. Like, you know, like I dug a, a big hole from this addiction. I dug a pretty deep hole. I got taxes. I got uh, I owe so much money. And where it would overwhelm me before, where I would just go get high because it was so overwhelming. Now that I'm sober, I get to start chipping away at it. It's not so stressful, you know what I mean? Yeah. And 
I can work on it. It's one dollar at a time, one day at a time, one whatever at a time. You can't do it all at once. Is the thing. Yeah. And it's, it's what role is trip. what role is skateboarding playing in your life now? Uh, I, I'm I'm with my friend Jason Jesse. He's like someone I looked up to as a kid. We were on the same team when we were younger, Sanford Skateboards, and uh, we, me and him, want to start uh, our own skateboard company and just do something cool, man. You know what I mean? And just uh, get, find some kids to sponsor or something. I don't know. See what happens. You know, I just want to do my own thing. I'm getting older, and I just want to take a different route. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, man. uh, but I skateboard all the time. You know, I will to the day I die. So my body won't let me no more. Like I'm a 100% skateboarder for life. Jay Adams just like embedded it in my head. It's just in my blood. I'll never, never stop skating. Well, that's who I am. I think it's amazing. I really, really appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, you guys should check out Andy Roy's podcast, Rip Ride. And uh, I like it. I listen to it. I listen to a bunch of your episodes. I think it's great. And I'm really happy oh, for you, you, man. I think I think it's really, really fucking... I think you had a, a crazy fucking journey. And you're obviously still on it. You know what I mean? Just because today is yeah. perfect doesn't mean every day is going to be. But, uh, but I love having you on the show, and I really appreciate it. Oh, dude, thank you so much, man. I, I, I can't thank you enough. And anytime you want me back on, dude, I'm... Uh, I'm here, man. All right, Andy. I got more stories and whatever else. I hope uh, I hope one day I meet you in person, either here or there. Yes, man. And, uh, yeah, just thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. And I'm sorry once again for being a, a lagger. No, don't even think about it. Thank you so much, man. Okay. Have a great okay. night, and, uh, and I'll be in touch. Okay. Thank you, Dave, so much. Thanks, bud. Later. All right. Bye-bye. Man, I love Andy Roy. The only regret is that I didn't make fun of the way he says friend. But besides that, what a fucking guy. What, what a crazy, dopey character. What a warm, sweet, sweet guy. And, uh, and what a great example of fucking recovery. Like driving the fucking van in rehab. And uh, if I can do anything right, we are going to have reoccurring uh, segments with Andy Roy as the, as the wisdom of the bus driver. I hate the phrase druggy buggy. I'm not a big phrase guy. I don't like druggy buggy. I don't like stuff like that. But I think a reoccurring segment with the wisdom of the bus driver, which is what I would call it, even though he probably doesn't drive a bus, that's what I would want to call it. But, um, you know, the dopey, the dopey podcast keeps on chugging along. One thing that I didn't do in the beginning with the ads is I didn't mention that I have all these fucking beanies. I have so many beanies. It's ridiculous. So uh, I, I actually, I, I changed my, uh, my manufacturer and I fucking ordered 100 beanies from China. That's what I did. So support the Chinese economy and order yourself a dopey beanie. Now, um, there's a lot of drug addicts in China, so support them. And one thing I never talked about, again, was my mission... Uh, to get more listeners. Like, I'm so fucking obsessed with making the show. I'm sure you guys could tell with such a high-quality show as Dopey how obsessed I am with the quality. But I haven't been obsessed with growing the listener base, which I like to call listener acquisition. So we are in a new phase of making the show. We call it the listener acquisition phase. And I've been talking with a lot of podcasting professionals trying to come up with schemes to acquire new listeners. 
<sighs> and one of the schemes was to get the guests of the show to fucking promote the show. And uh, a new sort of friend of the show, this woman who, who runs podcasts and knows about this stuff, was like, for example, Jack Osborne. Why didn't you ask Jack Osborne to promote the show? And to be honest, I didn't ask Jack Osborne to promote the show because I'm just so tired of annoying people. Like, I'm so fucking annoying. And it's like, it gives me a complex to be so fucking annoying all the time. But I do really want to grow the show. So I said, you know what? I'm going to fucking annoy Jack Osborne. What the hell? So I texted Jack Osborne. And I said, hey, man, uh, I don't want to really bother you, but do you think you could, you know, tweet about the show? And Jack Osborne was super cool. And he said, yeah, of course, I would tweet about the show, whatever. And he said, but I try not to go on social media during the week. I only like to go on social media on Fridays. So I'll do it on Friday. And Friday came and went. And he didn't do it. And I was like, fuck. And then I was kind of of that mind. Do I bug Jack Osborne again? But I want the listener acquisition. So I'm like, I'll do it. I'll bug Jack Osborne again. He has, you know, a ton of Twitter followers. Like, why not? Like, what's the problem? But I did feel bad. But Friday rolls around and I bug him again. And I could just imagine him, like, when the text comes in, like, this fucking guy is fucking bothering me. And he does it. He promotes the show. And it turns out it was his birthday. And I apologize. And then I realized it was his birthday and I apologize. And it's just like he never wrote back. So I think I've lost uh, Jack Osborne's uh, friendship, like whatever that means, for 50 likes on Twitter. And it just goes to show you, like, I don't really know what I'm doing and how annoying is that shit. But listen, I think the point is this. The Dopey Nation is incredibly strong. So it's time for you guys to pass the word along. I'm watching other podcasts. They tell the fucking audience to tell their friends. So tell your friends. Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Twitter. Fucking leave a review for my dad. Leave a review for Chris. All that stuff. And before we go, I got this... Uh, I'm friendly with a bunch of people who listen to the show. And one Dopey Nation fucking super fan is uh, this guy named Matt. I'm not going to say his last name. I bet he does, but I'm not going to say it. And he told me a crazy story, and I said, why don't you send it to me as a voicemail? So he did. So here he is. I'm going to let him tell the story. What's up, Dave and Dopey Nation? This is Matt Wiedemeyer Carroll coming to you live from 104.9 HITTFM, the Cedar Valley's number one hit music station for all the hit people in the Cedar Valley. Stay strong, Dopey Nation, and fucking toodles for Chris. Anyway, sorry, that was just my best radio voice impression. Anyways, thought I'd send you in a voicemail. Some crazy fucking shit just happened literally, like, I don't know, 20 minutes ago. I was at work, and my PO had just bumped me down to seeing him once every two months. So I'm like, ah, oh, shit, I better look for his card, get it out just to double-check what, you know, what the date is. I knew it was in December, but I don't want to be missing any appointments. But uh, anyway, while I was looking for that card, fucking a fucking bag of meth fell out of my wallet. And I'm like, what the fuck? And first thing I did was I was like, I called my coworkers over. I was like, hey, Tyrell, Jerry, come check this out, man. 
laying on the table. There it was. I knew exactly what it was. And I was like, oh, shit, man, what am I going to do? Tyrell's like, you know what you got to do. So I gave it to Tyrell, and he went, into, he went into the bathroom and flushed it. And I knew I would have flushed it myself, and that was crazy, man, because that's, that's the real test right there, a real fucking test that I passed. I am truly over this bullshit. Man, my heart's racing a little bit because, you know, seeing drugs fucking triggers back old memories. But I know that if I would have used that today... I would have used all my vacation hours, drained my bank account, fucking lost everything and went straight back to prison. And that is not an option today. I cannot go back to prison. I can't lose everything that I've worked so hard. I've come so far, so. I don't know anyway, sorry. Dopey Nation figured I would just share that with you. And I, oh yeah, I guess I wanna give a big shout out to the Dopey Nation group chat that we got going on because i got a lot of great feedback from everybody you guys know who you are you guys are great man seriously i don't know how i'd do this without you guys stay strong dopey nation and fucking toodles for chris so that was dopey nation super fan and my friend matt i don't say anybody's last names anymore because it's too much trouble but i have to say matt matt is really like i don't know man this guy fucking does it first of all Imagine you kick drugs, you go to jail, you fucking get sober, you do all this stuff, and then you're wandering the earth with a bag of meth in your wallet the whole time. It's just crazy. You know, he flew to New York for DopeyCon, so he, he, he basically, you know, flew with meth in his wallet. He got past airport security with his wallet. He went to a billion meetings. He went to parole. He went everywhere with meth which could have just been such a terrible thing. But in the end, he came through totally unscathed, and he did the next right thing, and he got past it. So fucking Matt, amazing. Um, also, just I have to say something about Matt. Matt's such a fucking crazy dopey fan. He makes dopey decals for cars on his, in his own money, and he ships them to people all over the world. He, he's done two different designs. He had some guy in a leather shop in prison make me some kind of dopey podcast badge ID holder and shipped it to me, and it's beautiful. And um, I just want to thank Matt. Matt's just a fucking amazing dopey fan. So I uh, want to thank everybody. I want to shout out the whole Dopey Nation. You guys are amazing. I love the culty aspects of dopey. I love that you guys are there for each other, and I love that... Uh, Life goes on, you know, uh, whatever, with or without drugs, in recovery, outside of recovery. Um, it's a beautiful thing. We have a beautiful thing. You know, follow us in all the places that we always like to say, Reddit, Instagram, Facebook, whatever. If you know how to subscribe to Dopey, fucking subscribe. Also, coming soon, hopefully, maybe, Artie Lang. We'll leave it there. Stay strong, Dopey Nation, and fucking toodles for Chris. I want to take a walk around the world. I wonder would it do me any good. Until I get some money in my pocket, then I guess I'll just have to walk around my neighborhood. But I want to be good so bad. Wanna be so good, so bad, so bad. I wanna be good, so bad.
Bad desire's all I ever had And I want to take a ride up in the sky Watch this airplane just pass me by And I want to see a Lear jetliner take a dive Just to show all of these people what it means to be alive But I want to be good so bad Want to be so good, so bad, so bad I want to be good so bad Bad desire's all I ever had And my shadow's getting smaller and smaller And it's time to where I stand Shadow's getting smaller and smaller City far behind. I'll take the high road, however far it winds, because peace and love are very, very, very hard to find. And I wanna be good so bad. Wanna be good so bad, so bad. I wanna be good so bad. Bad desires all I ever had. Damn it, all these suckers make me mad And it's all I ever had And it's all I ever had And these suckers make me mad And I want to call my dad And it's all I ever had 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 And these suckers make me mad And it's all I ever had And I want to call my dad And it's all I ever had And it's all I ever had And it's all I ever had